Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to New Idea Royals, the only podcast that keeps us up to date with Palace Life. I'm Rebecca Hyde and joining us today is royal expert and commentator Angela Mollard. Good morning, Beck. Hi, how are you going? So great to see you. I know, more royal news. <laughs> oh. a, never a week goes by without some more things happening to this wonderful family. That is right. So action-packed this week. Um, so the Duke of Edinburgh was involved in a shocking car crash. What can you tell us about that? Well, if you've seen the pictures, it does oh, look awful. miraculous wow. that he actually got out alive. I, um, I can't believe it. Let alone un, you know, unharmed at all. So the Duke of Edinburgh was driving from the Sandringham estate across an intersection. There was another car a Kia coming towards him. He went straight across the intersection and the cars collided. Now, unbelievably, the other car had two women and a nine-month-old baby in it. Prince Philip was obviously in his car. No one's been seriously injured apart from one of the women in the other car has a broken wrist. But Prince Philip's car completely overturned and he had to be pulled out of the sunroof. And the person that pulled him out was saying relayed that he said oh I'm such a fool I'm such a fool <laughs> so look he did take immediate responsibility oh, well, that would be the indication that he that he took um, responsibility but very shocking I mean we know that Prince Philip is 97 um, he's had bouts of ill health obviously this has prompted lots of questions in the UK about whether indeed he should be driving the policy there is that over the age of 70 you need to have um, a license renewal every three years so it's it's pretty regular but a lot of people question whether in fact he should be driving and whether in fact his doctors should be advising him not to. And we'll get on to a few other reasons as to why. (laughs) Um, So did he actually go to hospital? Well, this is interesting, Beck. There was conflicting reports. So initially it said he was fine, that the doctor at um, Sandringham checked him out and there was no injuries. But... um, uh, the next day, it came out. There was a second report, and it was slightly different. It said that he had actually been to hospital to have a checkup, and the wording from um, Buckingham Palace was that that he had no injuries of concern, right. which suggests that initially it didn't look like he had any oh, had any injuries. See. But it's very unlikely to think that he came out of an accident like that, where your car completely rolls over. You know, even if it's severe bruising or whiplash or that sort of thing, at ninety-seven, you're not somewhere. as resilient as, as someone younger. So, um, but I think the the palace approach has been very interesting. They've said very little, in fact, and mm. um, and then it's sort of business as usual, and moving on. But you know, a ninety-seven-year-old having an, an accident as severe as that, you would have thought there would be perhaps not so necessarily a statement from the palace, but a little bit more. Um, 
uh, commentary around what might happen yeah, next. Yeah, you would think so. Mm. You'd think so. So what did Prince Philip say uh, that it happened? Well, the only thing he said, as I said earlier, was that he said, I'm such a fool. Oh. <laughs> but what's happened subsequently is that the woman um, in the other car has come out, and well, the passenger whose arm was broken, um, she's come out and said that she received no apology or anything from the royal family, that at the very least she could have got a bunch of flowers and a card. Of course, you know, if it had been Joe Bloggs in this car accident, she probably expected nothing. But the fact it's Prince Philip. Obviously, she's she's got some high expectations. The palace, conversely, has said that the Queen and, and Prince Philip have got in touch through the family liaison office, oh, through the police, is that right? and okay. that you know, um, with their best wishes, and you know that they were you know hoped for a sw- speedy recovery. So there's a bit of misinformation somewhere along the lines here, but yeah, um, it doesn't yeah. cast the royals in a particularly good light. No, it certainly doesn't. And there's been some developments. Can you tell us what's happened since? Well. Extraordinarily, as happens to royalty, they just had a new Range Rover delivered on the back of a, you know, that no one had to drive it then. They didn't have to go to the used car sales yards and, you know, have like a look around folk, for what yeah. they could afford from uh, their write off money. But no, no, they uh, delivered one within two days of the accident. But this is where it's incredulous. The Duke of Edinburgh went out and, and came back again and he was photographed driving into the Sandringham estate without. A seatbelt on. Oh, it doesn't learn. It, it's it's baffling. <laughs> anyway, the uh, a photo was taken of him. A member of the public took a photograph, um, sent it to the police. Uh, raised it with the police, Norfolk Police, and Norfolk Police had to um, make the comment that they had given suitable words of advice, <laughs> as they do in these circumstances. Look, we've long known that the character of the Duke of Edinburgh—I mean, he's—he there is a certain arrogance, a certain, a, you know, a commendable independence. Yep. We know that he's you know, um, driven the Obamas around when they were in um, oh, that's England. Right. Yep. I mean, he likes to drive. It's it's one of his things that he he very much enjoys. He enjoys that independence. Um, and we know that he's, you know, he does things his way from all the gaffes he's made over the years. He's very slow to adapt and change. And I think that, you know, when that's in a situation where you're making some sort of either um, racist, sexist or basically baffling comment to, to a member of the public, we can all laugh at his gaffes. But when it's a safety issue, I think there's a real issue there that will be being discussed within the palace, I'm sure. Um, it's not something that... Um, so. but, but But I think the, the fact... He's driving so quickly speaks volumes about his um, determination and independence and desire to do things how he wants to do them. I, I would expect, you know, the Queen would have, you you would think she would have talked to him and said, look, look, let's just give it a week or two and see how you're feeling. Anyone after a crash of that magnitude would be very shaken. It's it's interesting. It's 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 a little bombastic, I suspect. And um, we, we know that of him. But, you know, obviously when you're, when you're taking that level of independence and a sort of forthright attitude, I think there's other people's whose safety is is at stake. So, uh, you know, I hope there are some conversations going on within the palace over this. Yes, I'm sure the Queen gave him a bit of a, a, bit of a talking to. And we understand a member of the royal family has commented on his condition. That's right, Beck. So uh, Princess Anne was at an event in Lancashire just a few days after her father's uh, accident and she was asked how he was faring, you know, how, what his condition was and that sort of thing. And this is her response. She said, I've no idea. You know where I am. The same place as you. <laughs> Can you believe it? I mean, this is why the royal oh, family Anne. gets such a bad no. rap because she's got, I mean, 
think of all the things you could say. Thank you very much. He's fine. Or um, I'm going to check on him after this event. Or, um, oh, no. you know, uh, thank you for your interest. Um, you know, uh, we're very glad that he's safe and well. Anything. I spoke I to mean, him just this morning. Exactly. Good, I mean, yeah. this, is, this is the Duke of Edinburgh's daughter, her very own child, has to come out with a kind of sort of sharp-tongued response like that. So cold. She is. And look, we know Princess Anne over the years. The Princess Anne is the, the hardest working yes. member of the royal family. Yes, she has the most engagements. But um, interestingly, she's the one that least likes mixing with the plebs. Um, when the <laughs> Queen brought in the policy that um, that they would do the handshake, the walkabout, which was not something that was done in the early part of the last century, sort of uh, we got through to about the 60s and 70s, and the Queen came up with this notion of having the walkabout and shaking hands and speaking to the public. And Anne has never been keen on it. She absolutely loathes it. She refuses to shake hands with people. And she makes waspish comments all the time about things like um, the fact that people have their mobile phones and are taking pictures and that sort of thing. Um, I can't quite understand why anyone would want to be in a picture with Princess Anne. She's such a miserable old cow. You know, we quite often talk about whether the royal family are becoming more down to earth and more normal and more relevant and more purposeful. And you do realise that there really is this general generation uh, of the Queen's children, Charles, Anne, obviously, Andrew and Edward, who do still work and perform to old school rules and to sort of old school behaviours. They don't have that warmth. And, you know, when we think about how Catherine Middleton and um, and Meghan and Harry and William, Zara Tyndall, yeah. um, the Phillips, Peter Phillips and his wife, Autumn, and, and then again the, 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 the um, royals that are coming through after that, you can see the change in comments like this. There is absolutely no way oh, William no or Harry way. would make a comment like that. There's no way. If... If you know Anne can get away with saying this, if if um, the Duchess of Cambridge or Sussex said something like that, you would have commentary for days on oh, the be on the of front it. page of every newspaper. Mm. Yeah, but I think it's it's a snapshot into how the royal family has evolved and why, in some respects, it hasn't. There are these real stalwarts for tradition, and you know they really seem to they, they spend a lot of time um, pressing the flesh with the public, but. You get the sense with Princess Anne, she doesn't even really like the public, despite the fact that the public's taxes, of course, are paying for her life. <laughs> anyway, um, we should be a little bit easy on her, perhaps. She's, she is, as we say, very hardworking, but very odd response about her dad. Very odd. Um, moving on to um, Megan's, her female bodyguard is quitting. So what do we know about this? Yeah, this has been really strange. Um, third member of staff to, to quit. Her private secretary and her personal assistant have already reportedly quit. This is her female protection officer, the one that um, came on the tour of Australia and New Zealand. Uh, she was in a lot of the photographs through that time because she, as we know with their protection officers, they stand right next to um, this subject. And actually, notably, this female protection officer, whose name we don't know, she... Um, she was the one in Fiji where uh, Megan had to be got out of the market yes, quite quickly because there was a lack of a... very dramatic. Yes, and um, sort of hot, sweaty environment, lots of people, more than was expected and and apparently no escape route. Look, what I find odd about this is that I think it's very unlikely Scotland Yard would have put a uh, Royal Protection Officer into a role if they had any indication that she was going to leave within six months. They, they would have known what the headlines would be. So... 
we can, my assumption is that one of two things has happened. That particular female protection officer has had family issues or something within her life that's made her leave. But sure. far more likely, I think, is that, and this is what sources are saying, is that um, Megan is very difficult to work with, that she wants to um, be part of the public. Um, she wants to... Uh, get up close, communicate, she lingers in her conversations, all of which are really great qualities um, for someone, for a celebrity using, sorry, we should call her a royal now. <laughs> she's, um, there should be a name, I think, for people who are royal but also celebrity. You know, that's she, Princess <laughs> Let's Grace. Let's make something Yeah, up. <laughs> exactly. But um, I think the fact that she wants to, obviously, you know, to, to be part of the people is admirable, but, but we know security is paramount and if anything did go wrong um those scotland yard officers are are responsible and culpable and anyway I, there's a lot Our of talk about the, to work in yes yeah. a lot of talk about the fact that she sort of goes off megan goes off message that she won't sort of um stick to what's being told to her in respect to her protection so uh look it nothing more has come out since then, but it's not a good look, is it? Losing three members of staff no. within as many months. I mean, there's a lot of questions about it. But um, look, I think if it had been the Royal Protection Officer had a, a, an issue of her own, a family issue, they would have said she was quitting for family reasons. Of the course, other thing is, yes. it's a very, it's come from the Times in London, uh, the story about her quitting. So it's obviously a very credible, reputable source. Interesting to see what's happened. The royal family like having royal female royal protection officers. They have um, Charles and Camilla have a couple. Um, other members of the royal family do, and it, it seemed like uh, this woman, whatever her name is, did a yeah. did a very good job. Certainly, she, um, you know, apart from the Fiji incident, it was a very busy tour down under. She spent a lot of time right next to Megan. There were a lot of engagements, big, big a job. lot of fast yeah. movement, and also you're dealing with a novice. So um, I think she did a very good job. So it'd be very interesting to see if it ever comes out, which it will, of course, why she did leave. <laughs> and Ken Wharf, um, Diana's ex-bodyguard, he says that Palace aides have made a massive mistake. So, mm. so what's that about? It's interesting. interesting. Well, he said a little bit about what, um, the security issue, but he also says that the Palace have made a massive mistake in respect of Megan's family, that they haven't really, uh, they've misjudged it. And that when Thomas Markle started making comments, and even before Thomas Markle making comments, his suggestion is that the palace uh, should have brought Thomas Markle into the fold, made him feel valuable, made him feel that he was part of events and that they might not have had the issues that they've subsequently have and the issues that he predicts will be ongoing. Um, and look, one of the things he points out, which I think is actually very interesting, uh, when I lived in London and worked for British newspapers, Ken Wolfe, you know, was um, Princess Diana's bodyguard. He's yeah. very well placed. He knows how the system works. And he has a fear that um, at some point, one of the Markles, whether it's Samantha or Thomas or Thomas Markle Jr., will turn up to an event and there'll be a sort of public challenge of Meghan. I can imagine that happening. Yeah, so totally. can I. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I mean, he would know. He's well placed to know what the fears are before the public even know sure. what they even before yep. the royals. I mean, they're, tr they're obviously highly trained as to what might be um, cause conflict or, or problems. Um, I think you know he's saying. Uh, 
if he's not on the onside when her baby is born, he'll be giving more interviews and it could, he could turn up and it could get even uglier. And his advice is it's not too late and a top royal secretary should go with Meghan, meet him secretly and patch things up. And that's kind of my viewpoint. I think I've said it before too, yeah. is that is that Meghan stands nothing to lose yep. by having that meeting whereby she says she goes and meets her dad she um they they try to smooth the waters and then really if thomas markle after that speaks out megan's quite within her rights to to well, we'll sort of pull the, the the covers over that relationship forever really i think that and then you also have the fact that the public would be aware of it they would feel incredibly sorry for her and it would be an incredibly smart pr move the fact she hasn't done that is very indicative, I think, of her sense of betrayal, but also, I think, of her determination to really um, do things her way and to, and to use what is a whole new life for her and, and, and to, to live that life rather than the one that she's come from. And you've written a piece, out suggesting that uh, Megan needs a mentor. So who's that? Well, I had a thought. Um, <laughs> when you're immersed in royal life, you kind of, um, you know, you, you read so much, you see so much. And, and interestingly, Michelle Obama, I've been reading her book, Becoming, which is excellent. And it's very much the title of it, as, as it suggests. It's about, it's a book about that you never really quite arrive anyway, that you're always growing and you're always evolving and you're always um getting more understanding of your place in the world. And she writes really openly about the fact that when she first came to the White House, she really lost sight of what her role was. And for the first few months, she was terrified for the girls. And she realised that she had to earn grace, that she actually had to earn her stature. And the reason I think that she would be a brilliant mentor to, to Megan is she's obviously got the African-American heritage. She's been catapulted into a position by dint of her husband's name. I mean, think even the terms First Lady and yeah. the Duchess of Sussex. I mean, Duchess, it's such an anachronistic title, isn't it? And these titles are attached to these women, not because of what they are, but because of what their husbands are. And I think she has a unique understanding of what it is to be transported to an environment that is unfamiliar and yet to be a strong, independent woman with a voice who can do excellent things. Like So the one thing that she said, the only thing she said about Megan was she gave an interview uh, during the press tour for Becoming and she said to Good Housekeeping magazine that Megan needed to slow down, that she actually needed to take her time, that when she first got to the White House, she didn't actually go on many engagements. She didn't do a lot. She got the girls established in schools and she just really sat with that new position for a while and let it sort of let herself feel comfortable with it. And I think it's very wise advice. She subsequently met Megan briefly at an event in London after the um, after one of her book events. The two of them met. Um, I think they'd share a lot in common. I think she could be an incredibly wise and calm voice. We know Harry has already uh, a friendship with um, Barack course, Obama. Yeah. So it's not difficult for them to have that connection. But I look, it's unprecedented in royal life for there to be mentors. They basically pull you in or you're born into it. You're expected to learn on the job. I mean, Princess Diana was a real baptism of fire. Sarah Ferguson spoke about the, all the different outfit changes and how she didn't know what she was doing. Wouldn't it be brilliant if the Queen phoned up Michelle Obama and said, look, could you just give her a bit of a Great hand? Idea. I just Love think it. that, yeah. you know, these are unique positions. They are very, very difficult. And Michelle and Barack have obviously done brilliantly at being in the public eye and 
that she's a humanitarian as well. I think she she would relate very much to Megan. And I think I think sometimes it would be really great for members of the royal family to be able to talk to someone who's alongside them, who's not within the royal family, yet isn't necessarily trained psychologist, but somebody that actually has been in a similar position. I mean, if you think about how the royal family um, acts, you die and they put someone dies and they put a crown on you. And yeah, that's if you really, look at it like that, it's that's, so that's, hard, that's, isn't it's it? Very, it's crazy. It's 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 a very unique position and Megan's been brought into it. She's had enormous change in her life. And I think someone who similarly has had that um, been catapulted into a new life would, would have so much advice. And if you read Becoming, Megan, uh, sorry, Michelle Obama has such a wealth of understanding about that role. She talks about the pressures that it put on her marriage with Barack Obama and that there were times when tensions became incredibly, you know, the real, real tension oh, wow. and very, very real candid. threats yeah. to their relationship. And I think that um, I think she would bring the wisdom and the kindness, I think, that Meghan really needs. I mean, all the courtiers in the palace, I mean, yes, it's different to 20 years ago, 30 years ago, uh, when Diana and Sarah were coming through. There is a lot more um, help. There's a lot more um, succession planning. But they still don't quite get it. No. As evidenced by Princess Anne's comment about her dad. <laughs> Great example. Um, and there's also been a security issue surrounding the Duchess of Cambridge. What mm. happened? It was revealed that Islamic State supporters had devised a plan to poison her grocery shopping. Oh. A caption on an image which was shared on the messaging app Telegram, actually. Sorry, it wasn't Instagram. And it showed a picture of uh, Kate with her shopping cart and it had the message, we know what she eats, poison it. Um, it's terrifying. It is terrifying. I don't know how exactly you would poison her particular shopping. But look, you know... I think being reminded of how vulnerable they yeah. are and how on on how many fronts and they can be they could be sabotaged or their 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 life is under threat um, is you know it's it's scary to really think about scary. but it's it's why they absolutely need uh, it's paramount that they have top security and that they are obliging and work with their security yes, rather than against it Couldn't which um, yeah. Very important. Thanks so much for joining us today, Ange. What a week the Royals have had. And thanks, everyone, for listening. For more on the Royals, please go to newidea.com.au, our Facebook page, New Idea Royals, and, of course, check out our amazing latest Royal Mini Mag in the current issue of New Idea. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 